Welcome back to the Sounds About Right podcast. Today's guest is Sarah McNally. Sarah is the owner of Constellation & Co., a letterpress stationery company and brick-and-mortar gift shop located in the Seattle Fisherman's Terminal. Constellation & Co. uses the power of words and the magic of snail mail to connect people and make us all feel less alone. Their line of cards and gifts are inspired by the events and occasions in life that are made sweet by close, honest relationships. Their work is built for sharing joy and holding our loved ones close in the middle of pain. When Sarah's not working at the shop, she's sending snail mail to her loved ones, buying copious amounts of stationery and fountain pens, I mean, who can blame her, and spending time with her husband and son. I gotta tell you guys that this episode, this topic, is to- I'm totally the audience for it. Obviously, I'm the audience for all of my other guests too, but I am that person who loves snail mail, loves checking out cards, and really loves digging into the brain of the person that's putting the words onto these cards. So that was really fun. And you should definitely check out Sarah's site for multiple reasons, but also to look at the locations where she sells her cards all around the country and see if there's a place near you. Because believe it or not, I mean, you'll all believe this because it's me. I definitely went hunting down her cards in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, 40 minutes away from where I live because I was so inspired and happy after this call. So anyway, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Sounds About Write podcast, a podcast about writers for writers, wannabe writers, and people who just love to hear about writers and writing. How many times can I say write in one sentence? We'll find out. I'm your host, Abby Wolf, and each week I'll be talking to different writers of all kinds. Novelists, copywriters, technical writers, screenwriters, you name it. I'll talk to writers who write full-time, writers who squeeze it into their spare time, and more. Basically, I'm chatting with anyone who's passionate about putting their thoughts onto paper in any way. We'll explore how they got into writing, their creative process, their favorite writing tips, and so much more. Thanks for listening in. I'm happy to have you along for the ride. Let's get started. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Sounds About Right. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I know, um, I mean, I say this for every guest, and I am always excited for a different reason, but this is you being a guest is like the perfect example of what I wanted to do with this podcast, which was to uh, show different types of writers. And so for everybody listening, Sarah owns a shop and I'll let her talk more about it, but she designs and writes cards, greeting cards, so much better than Hallmark's. I don't know. (laughs) Hallmark might get mad. Um, And so it's just like a different type of writing and, um, yeah, so Sarah, I guess before we even get started, can you tell us just a little bit like the the overview of your business? Absolutely. So we, like you said, own a brick and mortar shop, but we had been designing cards and writing cards for years before that. Most of our business is actually wholesale. So we get to work with other small businesses and other brick and mortar shops around the country in the world. And my mission with the business is to write cards for struggling people, write cards that talk about things that are typically taboo to help people feel a little less alone in the adventure of life. Okay. I mean, and just that 
mission in itself just shows how good you are with words and why you're perfect at this. And I was reading more on your site earlier today and just the first sentence got to me, which is Constellation and Co is a letterpress greeting card company that uses the power of words and the magic of snail mail to connect people and make us all feel less alone. And just that sentence in itself felt like a little magical to me. <laughs> it took me a long time to write that sentence. And for years, I had struggled to, to talk about and write about my own business. I have a lot easier time articulating other things. But when it comes to my own business, you're so close to it. It can be hard. But writing that sentence and really getting it exactly the way I wanted it felt like a huge success. It was a huge moment in knowing where I wanted to go with the business and and all the decision-making things that happen. Having that one sentence really has helped me a ton. Well, I mean, it, and it just feels perfect as it is. And I I don't think people realize how much time can go into perfecting just one sentence. But it's a, it's a lot of time and thought. Absolutely. And with small business marketing, you really only get that sentence a lot of the time. That's the, you know, the billboard kind of effect um, in getting yourself in front of people's eyes. So having that nailed and, and be inviting is really important. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, so I'm sitting here and I'm staring at the Our Story page of your site. And uh -huh. it's a picture of you standing in front of your brick and mortar and, um, which is just so amazing. But I imagine that years ago, you never imagined that you could get to this place, or maybe you are one of those people who manifests and you manifested this brick and mortar. But I guess, tell us like how this idea started. Well, Back even a little farther than that, when I graduated college with a graphic design degree, I just happened to graduate in 2009 at the height of the recession, and there weren't any jobs. And I had always had this long-term dream of owning my own business and of having a brick and mortar, but I pictured myself being advanced in age. <laughs> like I even pictured myself like a little old lady in a library sweater, my hair up in a bun, like finally getting to do my dream and to have this shop. And it just became very clear early on in my career that no one was going to give me a job unless I made it for myself. Um, so it, it took a long time. It felt like a long time. It took about five years from college graduation to when we opened the brick and mortar shop. And we've had the shop for five years now. It's so funny that you mentioned the recession because I've actually noticed this with a couple of people I've interviewed recently and just other people I've spoken to. Um, I never realized I knew there was a recession in 2008, 2009, but I graduated in 2011 and I went straight into grad school. And it, so it never really affected me. And I just, I never really thought about it. I knew it was there, but I've had maybe four or five people within the past two months talk about how they graduated in 2008 or 2009 and there just were no jobs. Yeah, it was a completely different world. And honestly, I was in that same place up to graduation. You're just focused on high school and then you're focused on college and the things happening in the outside world don't seem like they affect you that much. But then when you hit the pavement, you're trying to get a job. We had people literally, my husband and I graduated at the same time um, when we were engaged and moved out to Seattle together. And we had people literally laughing in our faces. Like, you know, we just laid off our entire design team. Why do you think that we would give you a job? And it was like, I, I don't know, but I don't know what else to do. I have to make money. So we did a little bit of everything. You know, he took um, some not awesome internships and I took some not awesome 
temporary work and um, did freelance and just jumped in anywhere we could to make ends meet for a while until we finally got on our feet and had a little bit of experience. Um, but yeah, if you talk to somebody from that 2008-2009 era, it is a it's a like a brother and sisterhood. Like it is this like group of people that know how everything you've planned and everything you've worked for can kind of fall apart due to nothing of your own doing. And I think that that being the beginning of my career kind of turned my sights more towards what I'm doing now than if I had had a different experience. Because from college graduation until now, I've been through, you know, struggling to get a job, struggling to get a business off the ground. Um, I've been through infertility, so struggling to get pregnant, um, been through the adoption process and um, struggling with mental health issues, anxiety and depression. And I've seen my life be such a struggle and so many days and also so beautiful. And I think that's why I feel so drawn to words that speak to struggle and speak to the both and the beauty and the struggle of life. Um, because I recognize that if you're not in it now, you eventually will be. And it can feel so alone when you're in the middle of those seasons of struggle. I Sorry, I'm just kind of speechless because again, you just have like... <laughs> speak so nicely about like, oh, what you do in your past. Um, oh my God. But let's, think, let's be real though. It's been like a, a full 10 year journey of, of hating what I'm going through and feeling like I'm broken and a lot of years of therapy and a lot of writing and a lot of journaling. And last year I wrote a 50,000 word book about the experiences I've been through and I'm working on self-publishing. So it, it's a lot easier for me to talk about this stuff now because I have such a handle on it and I've, you know, spilled so much ink about it that I can speak about it candidly. But a few years ago, I, I couldn't have imagined being quite so honest. <laughs> it's been an, well, and an also because you were in survival mode. Like yeah, you were just trying to like put one foot in front of the other and when you're just trying to put one foot in front of the other and move through not even each day, but each hour, there's no room to think about like, oh, like how, like, let me psychoanalyze myself and, <laughs> and see why this is happening. Exactly. Um, but, just like, why am I crying? And can I stop? <laughs> and I really do think that, and everybody has different love languages. Mine does happen to be really closely related to words. What is that? It's not even words of affirmation. I don't know. I like cards. Um, I don't know if it's, <laughs> it's like a, the, the love language of snail mail. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think I told you this on our call when we met um, via the internet, well, via Brittany, but then spoke via the internet a couple of weeks ago that when I had... Um, you know, a friend had someone very close to them pass away and I was looking at all of these cards and they just said like, with sympathy, with, with sympathy. And, and I don't want to like trash anybody who buys one of those cards because it's really like 95% of what's out there for that type of situation. But I was like, I don't want to like, I, no, it just sucks. And then I found this one perfect card that was like, let me be the person who punches the next person in the face who tells you it's going to be okay or everything yeah, happens an, for a reason. That's an Emily McDowell card. She is definitely a uh, powerhouse in our industry. She's really quite wonderful. It's like, this is so perfect. And then what was funny about that is it, in, it empowered me then in the card to write, this sucks and this is just shitty. And that's all there is to it. But I'm here for you. Instead of being like, so sorry. Like I am sorry, but like that doesn't do anything. 
Yeah. And I think the with sympathy cards, like people buy them because they don't know what to say. They do not have the words. And and I've, I've recognized that some of my superpower as a human is I always have words. I have too many words. I would get in trouble in elementary school for talking too much. Like that's, that's kind of what I was born with. And for me, I look at a card as a starting off point is like a point of connection. So if something on the front speaks to you and that gives you a jumping off point to say more inside, then I've done my job well. And then just the the act of buying and giving or buying and sending a card is a connection in itself to let people know, like, I see you. I see that you're struggling. I see that this sucks. And like, I'm here to talk or I'm here just for your presence. Like presence when someone's struggling is so important. And I think when you're in the middle of it, you don't assume that people who love you know and want to be there for you. You assume that you're, you know, in this like dark, you know, this dark hole or what I like to call it grief island. Like you're there by yourself and you don't want to make anybody else feel bad with you. Um, but yeah, sending a card is just such a nice way to, to kind of build that bridge, you know, to, uh, to, to give somebody that, that nod that like, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I'm here for you. And I think the great thing about cards, especially in a situation where somebody's grieving, is even if you send it and you live down the street, this is a, this is a an opportunity for the person who's grieving to open it and not have to respond. Because I think that's one of the hardest things is when you're like, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, this is so awful. And again, like you're coming from a good place, but then the person who is going through it has to then console you. Absolutely. And it's introvert safe. And I like to think about that a lot because I think, you know, not to generalize, but extroverts tend to be out there. And even when they're struggling, they're like, ah, like I want to share this with everyone that I'm struggling. But as an introvert, my husband is deeply introverted and I'm, I'm a little more chatty, but I'm still pretty introverted. Like when I'm struggling, I just, I isolate and, um, and I don't want to text. I don't want to talk on the phone. I don't want to go out. And snail mail like cuts through all of that and, and makes its way into your home and something you can hold in your hand. And it just feels so safe. Um, even when you're, you're feeling like you can't handle people. Yeah. And I mean, how beautiful to think of the moment that somebody thought, I want to get a card for this person for whatever the reason, and then went to the store and like looked around and was thinking of you, of your situation, whether that's, you know, somebody passed or something else horrible happened or something happy happened, Mm -hmm. or they're just thinking of you. And they like picked out something special for you, put it in the mail and it made its way, you know, across the country or down the street. And it's just, snail mail is so much more special than I think we give it credit for. Yeah. And, and it's also, I've heard people call it a lost art or a dying art. And, and you'd be surprised by how many people do still send snail mail, but it, it's like that. It's the, I want to show you some extravagant kindness. So I spent some of my money, my time. I used my body and wrote with my hands and I bought a stamp and I found it and I stuck it on the envelope and I found a mailbox. It's like all of those steps that it takes are why people don't do it. But when they do, it's so intentional and it is so filled with care and, and love. And I think that is, is part of what makes it so magical in, in the modern era. Absolutely. So how, like, take me back. How did you go from, did you always want to do greeting cards or like, how did you go from graphic design? I mean, I know you're still designing today, but mm-hmm. connect the dots for me. 
Yeah, honestly, I've always loved sending cards and receiving cards. I've always bought cards. Um, I've always bought postcards and sent them. That was something I've done since I was a little girl. And when I got out of school, everything felt so daunting. So I don't know if it's still like this in design school, but at least when I was in school, there was this whole like designers will save the world kind of mentality. Like you're going to work for a political campaign or you're going to work for, you know, helping the environment. You're going to be able to use your skills in these ways that are going to change everything. And that was like the overarching idea. And and when I got out of school, it was like, I'm just trying to make ends meet. I'm trying to put food on the table. And I'm, I'm terrified that I'm going to pick the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or not be enough. So for me, designing cards was this like really simple thing where I'm like, someone's going to like it. It's going to make them a little happy. And then they can throw it away if they don't want it. And it's low stress. So I think that was some of it for me that I just fell back on something that I loved. And then the other part was I needed it to not be earth shaking. And and I've recognized the longer I've gone along that it's not really the big things that make as big of a difference as it feels like. It's the a lot of little things together make life bearable and make relationships happen. So it, it may feel like a small thing at first, but I've seen the impact of, of what cards can do, which has kept me writing them. Well, it's kind of like the butterfly effect too, right? Like mm-hmm. just something so small can affect you in such a large way eventually. Like just that ripple effect. And if you've ever been what through point- like anxiety or depression, you know that when you're in the middle of an episode, it's never like... It's never like a PSA or like some big thing that's like, yes, I, my life is worth living. It's always this like, like interaction with one person or a text from one person. It's always these little things that help to like draw you back to like life is good and I can be okay. Um, so I, I just think the little stuff we shouldn't, we shouldn't count it out. No, I actually read this. I think it might have been a tweet and I think it was from one of the old executive producers of The Bachelor, Elon Gale. I yes. think it was him. Um, he, suffers a lot with anxiety and depression. And I think he wrote that um, he has this list of things that you have to do, that he has to do. Whenever he wakes up and he doesn't want to get out of bed, he has to look at that list and do those things. And it's as simple as brush your teeth, call a friend, text one of these three people. Just these little things like, okay, maybe today's not going to be a good day, but I'm also not going to let it be my worst day. Absolutely. And I think those reminders are really important, which again, like I don't open my email inbox to feel good, but I do have a box of letters I've received that I always keep near me at my desk. And I can sometimes even just look at the box itself and feel good. But I know if I open that lid, I'm going to be able to hold in my hand this like proof of human connection and of people's like caring for me. It's so physical and tactile and, and it's proof. <laughs> it just feels more important to me in some ways than than anything digital ever does. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't help but laugh um, when you said you didn't open your inbox to be happy. <laughs> it's it like, never that's really so works. Right. Yeah. No, no, I avoid that thing. I, I manage three inboxes right now and I'm like, oh, no, uh, all of them need to be off yeah, all the time. Absolutely. Um, so at what point did you think, okay, I can actually make this into a full-fledged wholesale business. I don't I don't think there's ever one moment. I think part of what makes me okay at business is I do have sort of a visionary 
mind. So I can picture what it could be. I see potential very clearly. And meanwhile, my husband has a very different set of brain and my mom works with us. She's our bookkeeper and she has a very different brain. And so I'm, I'm always in the position of like, like it's a terrible term, but like vision casting with, with the people in my life, with my employees and with my family, where I'm like, no, here is what it can be. Let's just get there. So it always made sense to me what it could be. I just, it took a hundred thousand little steps along the way to keep moving forward and to keep getting there. Um, and, and I've gotten better as the years have gone on too about writing down my goals and writing down where I'm at and trying to keep track of exactly where, like the metrics of things so that I can show progress. Cause I need to show myself progress because I think in business, it's just, and in life too, it's just really easy to be making progress and to not notice because you forget where you were a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. Especially when you work for yourself, like nobody's yes. there to be like, Good job, Sarah. Sure. You sold 40 parts today and <laughs> yesterday you sold 30. And this is great. Great job. You're promoted to the same position. Absolutely. And I think small business, like I think everyone should work in a small business at some point, even for a short period of time, because it's so much easier to see like how the sausage is made in, in a good way, because you're all, you're in it, all of it. And even though I have a few employees and we have a team, it's, I can still oversee it all and see I pushed something here and then this changed. I pushed something over here and then that changed. And I think in a corporate world or in a larger business, it's so hard to really see the progress because you're just one, you know, cog in the wheel and just pushing forward in your place. And I know there's always metrics and ways to, to track those things, but it's just really kind of magical in a small business. I feel like a puppet master sometimes where I'm like, oh, yes, I sent this email and then I saw these orders come in and I, you know, rearranged the shop and put this up front and this in back. And then we sold twice as many. Like, it's just so, uh, it's intoxicating when, when things really work. It feels great. <laughs> I think you just encapsulated exactly why I haven't done well in the corporate world because I, it was so easy for me to become disengaged because I didn't think the work that I was doing was important or I felt like it was just busy work or I didn't really understand like why I was doing X, Y, or Z. It felt stupid to me. Um, and I do think in the corporate world these days, I'm not saying the whole corporate world is stupid. It's not. We need a lot of those companies out there, mm -hmm. but I think it takes a lot of effort from executives, uh, middle managers, leaders of any type to, um, to touch base with their team and be like, this is how you play a role. This is how the work you're doing plays a role. Because like you said, you can't, you can see that in a small business. You can't see that in, in larger businesses. Yeah. And for me too, like tying it back to writing, there's nothing more helpful to me than being able to look at the numbers and see like, I wrote this and this sold this many cards and this other thing didn't. And to see like, okay, where, where have I captured exactly the the feeling I'm going for and where could I work on it more? Um, so we're always adding new cards and taking cards away and tweaking things. And it's just nice for me to be able to see that because I think with writing, it's just, you don't always get to be there next to the person reading what you're writing and see their response. But when there are some kind of numbers and metrics that you can connect to it, it makes it a lot easier to see what people are like really connecting with and what they're not. I find that helpful. And do you find, do you look at um, like the cards that sell in the brick and mortar versus the cards that sell online or yep. via wholesale? Yep. And wholesale do you see is any a very different. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. Um, buyers for wholesale stores or for brick and mortar stores buy very different things than my end consumers do. So I, it helps me to kind of see that. And so I kind of write for multiple audiences and, you know, someone who owns a shop really needs to make sure they've got the major things covered. So, uh, birthday, uh, congratulations, sympathy, those kinds of things. And they like to buy things that are a little bit more generalized because, it's easier to sell those more people will be interested. But on the retail side, on the like direct consumer side, I can write things that are so incredibly upsettingly specific because I know those people are out there. I just have to find them. And when I do find them, they are so thrilled that there's a card about that one weird specific thing that they will buy it for everyone they know because they're so excited that it exists. So I kind of have to do both more general and really specific. And honestly, I write things for the fandoms that I have and the quirks that I have and the life that I'm living. And I write things that are really inspired by where I'm at because if I'm not feeling it and I'm not experiencing it, I don't know how to write for it. And, I, and I'm not going to fake that. So definitely like when I became a mom, I wrote more parenting cards. And now that we're buying a house, I'm in the process of writing cards about owning a home and <laughs> that kind of thing, because there's so many you know, it's almost like being a stand-up comedian, trying to find and mine like the funny, weird, quirky things about each aspect of your life and find a way to express them. I am, by the way, that retail consumer that you were talking about. <laughs> I am in your audience. <laughs> and so am I for other companies, which is like how I know I'm in the right industry because I'm still such yeah. a fan, like of Emily McDowell, like you mentioned her. I mm -hmm. follow what she does and I love what she does. It's, you know, similar in some ways and very different in other ways, but I love watching her personal growth and development as a human because I'm seeing myself in that and in, in the ways that life has changed me and the things I'm going through. And her work is so authentic. Like I know it's hers. It's so very specific to her. And I, you know, I'm a fan of so many people in my industry and I, it's helped me see that trying to write in someone else's voice or trying to, you know, appeal to their customers doesn't work because I just have to be unapologetically myself and know that people will will fall in and will find me. My people will find me. Yeah, they will. I did. Well, Brittany, <laughs> Brittany found you for me. Brittany's <laughs> such a good connector. <laughs> she is. Hi, Brittany. I actually just emailed her on my walk over here. And no, I should not walk in text, but I do far more <laughs> than I should. At least I wasn't driving and texting. Um, but I was like, I'm about to go interview Sarah. Um, so I was... Just really, I I just love connections. Um, but let's let's dig into your creative process a little bit more. So, in terms of, I mean, I know you said when you're when you go through something like when you became a mom or when you bought a house, you were inspired to write more cards that aligned with you know your life events. Um, so let's start with that. What's your creative process like when you come up with an idea? I have a notebook and a fountain pen that are like my lifeline and I carry them around with me at all times. So I have all of these like large purses that fit all of my weird stuff I've got to carry. Um, and every time I think of something that is true, I write it down. Um, sometimes it's like to vent or to get something out of my brain or, um, or really if someone has responded to me in a negative way and has said something that did not feel great. Sometimes I'll spin that and I'll think, well, what would I have liked them to say? And I'll write that down. Um, so I just write everything down and then I just like leave it alone. And I, um, a couple of, every couple of months I will go back through and read 
all of the back pages in my notebook and like grab out all the good bits. And sometimes most of the time, my best writing is done with absolutely no product in mind. It's just the real stuff and what I'm feeling. And then I can kind of tweak it and, and find exactly the right word or the exact same, you know, the right design or whatever needs to be done to make it into a card. Um, but that's, that's, I just write from human experience. And um, sometimes I will sit down with my notebook and go for the next hour, I'm going to write birthday cards and I'll write a, a lot of really terrible birthday cards and eventually find a few that are good. And honestly, some of the worst ones I've written that I'm like, this is garbage. Why would anyone buy this are the best ones because they come from my like dry sense of humor or sarcasm. And they're just like my, one of my best sellers is here's your card in 365 days, you'll get another one. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a best seller, like an all time bestseller. And that was the literal first thing that came to my mind on a day I meant to write birthday cards. And it's just so goofy and obvious, <laughs> but no one else writes cards like that. So it has worked out for me. Um, and I can't tell you how many people have walked into the shop and laughed hysterically over that. I'm like, wow, wow, wow. You are my people. <laughs> <laughs> They're your people. Well, and it ties back to what you said about how every time you think of something true, you write it down. And that's a true statement. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, unless that person decides not to buy their friend a card in 365 <laughs> days, like that's a pretty true statement. Absolutely. Have you seen the webcomic? Um, I believe the artist's name is Nathan Pyle and he draws these little aliens and they're just yes. experiencing life and expressing it in a way that an alien would. I swear, my husband sends those to me almost every day when he releases a new one because they are so the way I think about the world. I just like experience everything and I'm just like kind of like laughing at the weirdness of being a human being. And mm -hmm. those have been like so fun to follow. Um, and sometimes I write cards and he's like, okay, maybe a little less an alien voice. <laughs> like maybe a little, <laughs> a little more like you've been on this planet for a while. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you kind of, um, you relate to that account. What's his name? Nathan Pyle, you said. Um, do you also get inspiration from it? I wouldn't say, I don't know. It's hard to say. I feel like inspiration comes from everywhere. But I think, again, like stand-up comedy, I really enjoy because that's a very similar way of like looking at everything in life and trying to find something in it that is both relatable and interesting, but also turns it on its head a little bit. Um, so I, I find inspiration from just everywhere. I read a lot of books. I like memoirs and, and fiction and all kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I like, I like web comics and I like really well written TV. I just kind of, I don't know. I just everywhere I go in life, everything I do, I'm trying to find the bits of things that feel very true and not everything connects with me, but the things that do, I try to, you know, write down by hand, put them in a book and, and try to figure out why they feel so true. Um, so I do a lot of self reflection as well. Are you the only one doing the writing? I am. I am. And, and sometimes I'll say, okay, here, I really want a birthday card and, and here's kind of the idea and I'll let my team work on it and help me with it. Um, but at this point, yeah, writing is never what I set out to do in the beginning. Like I said, I went to design school and, um, it had every intention of being a graphic designer and then started buying printing presses and got really excited about being a letterpress printer, which is still how we manufacture our cards. But for me, writing is always what it comes 
back to. And it's what I do when left to my own devices um, on a day off or on a day when I'm just um, wanting to process things or writing is always what comes back around. So I think it's taken me a long, a lot of years, but I finally am able to call myself a writer and feel okay about that. Even though I'm not, I've never been paid to write by anyone else. I've never studied writing. I've never gone to school for writing, but it is really the most natural thing that comes to me. You're a writer. I, I am. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I struggle with calling myself a writer too. Cause I'm like, well, writing isn't the thing that I do full time. I mean, I, I, I say that I'm a freelance writer because it's easier than saying that I do marketing and I do this and I do that. But um, you're a writer. If you write, you're a writer. It's like the same thing. If you ever ran and you just ran three miles like once a week, you're a runner. You may not run marathons, <laughs> but you're a runner. Like you ran. Yeah. It's funny to me how much self-doubt comes in with those things. Because um, yep. I, I, I don't like to call myself an artist, even though I went to art school and make a living with visual art. Like there's a lot of things I don't want to call myself. Um, I just feel like well, you are an artist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and I, I don't know what it that. is. I don't know what it is that makes me not want to give myself a, a title. Like well, I don't know. It's I mean, it's likely. I mean, you're an artist. You're a writer. You're a business owner. You're a designer. You are a. Um, I'm trying to think of a. You a heart person who makes others feel better and feel good. And so it's it's. I think you know part of it is imposter syndrome where we just don't believe in ourselves enough or believe that we fit into a certain mold. And that leads into the second thing I was going to say, which is society has defined um, an artist as something really specific, like someone who paints, someone who, um, gosh, now I can't think of any other forms of art uh, draws. <laughs> I can't think of uh, yeah. A filmmaker. Uh, yeah. Right. Like you have these very specific definitions um, just like we had the very specific definitions of what we should be when we grew up. It was either doctor, lawyer, whatever. There was no in-between. And so, I, I mean, I think it, it, that all comes into play. And then again, you have me and my earliest aspirations for a career is I wanted to be a nun and also a detective. So I, I've never really fit into the boxes, <laughs> so I think, how I got here. But I also think that we just live in an era where most people don't do one thing. You can't. Like, I can't just be an artist. And I love painting and I love writing, but I can't only do those things because I have to make money by doing them. So I have to have the business built up around those things to make them feasible to move forward. Yep. So I think that some of it is, is we're so used to and trained to wear many hats that it's hard to specify <laughs> because in a day I do a whole lot of things. And then, like I said, I became a mom and then at least two days a week, I'm home with my son and working from home. So I'm like writer, designer, like butt wiper, you know, you just gotta <laughs> you do a little bit of everything. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. That's what you're doing. Um, <laughs> I was just, I was listening to somebody talk about being a, mom, being a mom on a podcast earlier today and how they had to like, um, like investigate their son's poop to like make sure <laughs> that there was nothing in it. And I was just, I was like, yep, I've done that with my cat. Um, oh, but <laughs> that's the reality. Yep. Always comes back to cat. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what the what some of the TV shows are that you watch that you think are really well written. Hmm. Um, I was a big Gilmore Girls fan growing up. Um, 
very much enjoyed that. And lately I just watched all of Jane the Virgin and I loved the writing on that show. I loved how they um, pulled in magical realism and um, different literary things. And I just really liked the way that was done and that it was done in the telenovela style gave it a lot of fun flair and let it play with um, reality a little bit more. And I, I just very much enjoyed that. Um, Gilmore Girls was a big topic on today's episode that released because oh, really? um, yeah, I mean, the girl who Kate, my friend who I interviewed, she wrote an article about Gilmore Girls. And so then we talked about team Dean or team Jess. So oh, Jess I need to know. Oh, yes. Jess all and yes, just into everything that Milo acts in now is a thing I'm going to watch because I'm still like on some kind of like magical realism thing in my own brain where I'm like, it's just Jess grown up. Like, um, this is us. I'm like, it's just what Jess did in the future. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh gosh. What a heartthrob. What a great guy. Oh, man. I know. I know. Um, okay. So back to you, because I really could talk about Jess all day, but this is about you. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite topic to write cards for? Not really. Not really. I think what I love is that I get to, <laughs> I get to give myself freedom to just write whatever I'm writing. So I don't, I don't really stick to the traditional um, release schedule. Like I release the same time of year that other companies do, but I don't like release Valentine's Day right now and then holiday right now. And like I just finished writing a ton of holiday cards because I felt inspired to do so. Um, but it's really, I don't make myself write anything I don't feel like writing. And I think that freedom is what I like the most. Um, so I just kind of go with what I'm feeling. And I, I always know that that's, going to produce work that I can stand behind because a lot of what I do is also outreach and selling the work that I make. And if I'm not feeling it when I'm writing it, I'm not going to be feeling it when I have to see it a hundred more times. <laughs> yep. I'm really not going to. So I just, I, I think the freedom to do what I love and to do what I'm feeling in that moment is, is what I'm always most excited about. Do you have a favorite card that you've written that you'll always keep on the shelves no matter what? Hmm. Well, the first one I ever wrote is a best is our best selling card of all time. So I feel like that one's got a close place in my heart. And I wrote it for the first Valentine's Day after I married my husband. And it was something I wrote about him. And I think it's one of those things that has become more true in the 10 years since I wrote it. So it's um, that, that's always a, a close one to me. Um, but there's a lot of other ones that I can remember exactly what I was thinking about when I wrote them. And and again, like those things age really well because they, they are the most true things. They come from the place of the most um, close experience. But then things like holiday and birthday and those things are just really fun to market because you can do silly, goofy things with them. Um, but I, I, at this point, I've got over 300 cards in my wholesale catalog. So it's uh, it's a lot of children to keep track of. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. I just opened up your seasonal page, and I'm really just so excited for Christmas now. Um, <laughs> I'm admittedly, you know, I was raised Catholic. I don't practice anymore. I'm very much a commercial Christmas celebrator, and I own that. <laughs> um, do you mind if I read one of these cards? Please. I mean, you can see it. It's not like I'm reading secrets, but okay. So the front of this one says. Merry Christmas. We're far apart this year and I wish more than anything that we could be together to celebrate. All of my favorite Christmas memories have you in them. I can't think about the tree or stockings or cocoa or carols without missing you. 
Know that even though I'm far away, my heart is with you by the fire, reading the Christmas story and eating cookies. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Yeah. I think it's just, it's so easy when things come from a real place to know that other people are out there feeling that way. And I think that comes from some of my maturity over the years and from some experience of the more I've shared what my personal experiences are, the more I've recognized that people echo them. And and that one, yeah, that one definitely puts you in a place that puts you in a real cozy Christmas place. And I, I love that too. I'm at the point. I haven't read that one in a while. <laughs> this makes me really happy. I'm at the point, um, my fiance and I, uh, by the time this airs, we will be married. Maybe. <laughs> hopefully. We're getting married on September 14th. So hopefully that happens. Oh my goodness. Exciting. Very close. Um, but we switch holidays on and off and it's, and it's good and it's right. And it's what we should be doing. But I, I really, um, my mom and I really bond over Christmas. So it's hard to be away from her during that time. Yeah. So I read this card and I was like, this is for her. <laughs> I need to get on that. And that's what I want is for everyone to read each card that I've written to, to think of someone in their life that that is for, that that relationship is, is shown and revealed in the words. And that that's always the best feedback. Well, what I love about your writing here is that it's um, it's just straightforward. It's not like you're twisting words around and throwing in fancy sayings or fancy words. Like it's just like this is coming straight from my heart, and it's easy for other people to understand. It's easy for them to immediately connect with because they don't have to sit there and think, "What does this mean?" Um, uh-huh. And I just I love that. I think it's it's the type of writing that I've just started to like in general, but especially for cards, I think it's. It really is, it's set apart from the traditional greeting card, which I think can be kind of um, either a little too fluffy or a little too like complex. Mm-hmm. I, I I really hate like idioms and platitudes. It's something I've always hated. I'm always, I'm I'm a person who wants to be told what someone means. Like, tell mm-hmm. me what you mean and I can handle it. Like we can, we can go somewhere from, how you feel and what you mean. And I'm, I'm a very external processor. So like in my house, my husband and I, I will ask him a question and he will need three days to think about it. And then he will present me an answer. And in my brain, I bring up a question at the beginning of the conversation. And by the end of the conversation, I've answered it for myself because I just need to talk to get it out. Um, which it's a hilarity ensues in my marriage, but that's, that's some of it for me is I just, I I need to work things out and, and, and coming from a place of, of understanding how someone feels or what they're thinking or what they're trying to say really helps me. So I, I try to write cards that way too. So when someone gets it, there's no, there's no question mark at the end that you know exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm really excited. And I think I'm going to sign up for, let me make sure I get the name right. The Card Club. I don't know how I couldn't have gotten oh, that name right. It's too early. Oh, the Card Club. Oh my goodness. That has been one of my favorite things to to put together. And it was actually a customer that requested it. And and what they said was, I want to send more cards, but I'm never in a place to buy them and I never think of sending them. So can I just pay you and you will send me cards once a month and then I will have them? And I was like, Yes, in fact, sir, I will do that. <laughs> So we have um, we have like a small but mighty group of around 30, 35 people that are members right now. We've had quite a few more over the years of people wanting to, you know, fill up their card box and take a break, which I fully support. Um, but that that core group of people 
are just my favorite and I run new things by them. They get the first, um, all the new things I release, they get first. Um, and I'm always picking out like fun little like vintage stamps and little goodies and gifts and things for my card club members. And it's just a great way for me to, um, share what we do and, and get people excited about sending snail mail, um, in their mailboxes every month. I just, yeah, I just love it. <laughs> I love it. Again, I'm, I am your ideal audience. And there's a very good friend of mine. Her name is Montana. Hi, Montana, um, who is obsessed with snail mail. She will want to be a snail mail superstar as soon as she listens to this. Um, <laughs> I actually have a card from her sitting right in front of my computer. And it it just says something like near or far and has a lighthouse. And then it's she wrote a, bunch, a huge note in it. And she was just like, basically, like, I'm really bad at texting. I'm really sorry that we've been out of touch. Just wanted to let you know that um, for, you know, for whatever reason in 2019, I'm better at snail mail than texting, but I love you. And like, da, 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 da. And I, I, Oh yeah. Montana is one of us yep. for sure. Yep. That is exactly me. And I always forget people's birthdays and send them snail mail. That's just like a general thinking of you letter. And then I realized it was their birthday and I forgot. I'm like, well, <laughs> at least I got mail from me. Uh, P.S. Happy birthday. <laughs> And you mentioned Snail Mail Superstar and that we have an Instagram and a Twitter account for Snail Mail Superstar. We also have a YouTube channel and I open my mail on camera, which who knew would be a thing that people love. But, oh, people love to watch other people open and read their mail. I get great mail and I read my subscribers letters that they send me. And then I make videos about all kinds of things to inspire people to send mail. And like I've you know interviewed my mailman and um, talk about life behind the scenes in our business and um, it's just super fun time. So if you're a YouTuber, go over and uh, look for snail mail superstar. Um, I will. And can I get this snail mail <laughs> superstar shirt? I think I need one of those. Can I buy that? Yes, yes you can. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay. So you mentioned the snail mail superstar YouTube and Instagram. And do you say something else? Mm -hmm. um, and Twitter. And Twitter. But then you also have a Constellation and Co. Instagram. Of course. Yes. yes. We're everywhere. I just, I really love social and I like to be able to like sell products on Constellation and Co and share what we do for the business. And then over on Snail Mail Superstar, that's all like inspiration and happy snail mail feels. So Perfect. it's nice to have both places. So for everybody listening, you can find Sarah and her business at Snail Mail Superstar and at Constellation Co. I'll put it all in the show notes. Um, but if you're anything like me, you will lose all of your productivity points, but it'll be for a good cause. <laughs> Um, I just have, I have two more questions for you and then we'll go okay. to the fire round. So, um, I wanted to know, since you mentioned loving social, which I do too, how do you reconcile, like maybe reconcile isn't the right word, but how do you make sure that you're utilizing social enough for your own inspiration and for your business, but also not on it too much? Yeah. Um, I used to spend most of my life on Instagram. It was like really unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've actually kind of cut back quite a bit. So I actually really like having multiple accounts. So I have a personal Instagram account that is just for like my friends and family. And I, you know, a few like inspirational things that I follow and I post a bunch of pictures of my kid that are not public. Um, and, and that has been really helpful. So when I'm on that, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually seeing like what my, friends are doing because over on my business Instagram, I follow so many people. I don't, I don't ever get through all of it. Mm -hmm. and, and I can't, I can't spend my time over there because then I get into the comparison game of what everyone else is doing and what I'm not doing. Um, 
and like with um with Twitter, I I have an account for just my my soccer friends and I really enjoy that. Um so just kind of taking social for my after hours needs and and kind of splitting it out has really helped me. Um and I actually schedule all of my social in advance. Um, and that really helps too. It helps for planning and for marketing, but it also helps for like when I'm on social, it's because I'm engaging with the people who are engaging with my content. I'm not just on social, just scrolling forever. Yeah. I think that's a really good point about having different accounts. Um, it's sort of counterintuitive because I thought when I would start the sounds about right, um, Instagram account, like, oh gosh, now I'm going to be on even more. But it actually makes me a lot more targeted in when I go onto that, like, okay, what type of content? What am I posting? And then when I go into my personal one, like, okay, this is like, let's get in, let's get out. Um, and it actually has made me a little bit more streamlined. Absolutely. And I also have kind of recognized that the role that I play in social is a content creator and not a content consumer. And that doesn't mean I don't engage with like stores that carry my cards or, or other businesses that I enjoy, but I don't go to social for inspiration. Like I get inspiration from everywhere else, but I can't, I can't go to social for that because it's just like, way too overwhelming. I love that. I, I feel like you've just kind of given me permission to be a content creator on social because Absolutely. I would say to people like, I post for myself. I don't look at anyone else. <laughs> I just post yeah. myself. And honestly, you know, when, when you're, when you're a business and when you're, you know, you're a podcast and you're, you're making things like the, the energy should go into making beautiful things and engaging with the people who are enjoying the things you're making. And it's Instagram used to be different. Like when you'd follow someone, you'd see all of their posts and you could comment on them and you could keep track of their life and you could know what was going on. But the algorithms have killed a lot of that community aspect. And so I've kind of washed my hands of the feeling of guilt for not engaging as much as I used to because it's not what it used to be. And honestly, like for me, I've kind of transferred some of that to YouTube. So I love watching YouTube videos. I watch like beauty gurus and home improvement stuff. And I like, you know, like goofy stuff, like good mythical morning. Like I want to watch two guys, like eat weird stuff in a taco. Like I enjoy <laughs> that kind of content on my personal time. Um, and that for me feels a lot more um, engaging and entertaining and like brain cleansing than scrolling Instagram and seeing other people sell to me, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Thank you for that advice. Cause that's, I'm sure yeah. it'll help a lot of people, including me. Um, okay. Last question is, I'm just wondering if sustainability comes into the conversation at all with your business. Sure. Um, it, it's a hard one yeah. because we, again, have multiple sales channels and um, like the little plastic sleeves that go on cards. That is something that I, I'm grappling with right now. Um, and right now with the brick and mortar shop, we have to have them yep. because otherwise cards get destroyed very quickly. You know, little kids with like Cheeto fingerprints and they get dropped. And so we have to have them. But um, I'm working towards the future in the next like 12 months where unless a retailer requests them, I'm not going to offer them. And I, I have to recognize that there's some there's some trade-off. So more cards will get ruined, more envelopes will get ruined, so more paper will be used. Um, but we do use a post-consumer waste paper. Um, so they are recyclable, they are recycled. Um, and and for me, I think working on cutting down my plastic usage is really important. And that is a bigger concern for me at this moment than using paper. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard. We we do recycle a lot of paper. We try to recycle packing material if possible and try to do all of that. But it's hard to be in a product business. And um, 
there, there is, there was a lot of, um, sustainability questions and, and issues. But, um, again, I think as a very small business, I can make the choices that I need to make, but, um, it's going to make a lot less of a difference than if, um, we could keep knocking on the door of large corporations and asking them to consider their things because, you know, you get that Amazon package with Mm -hmm. one tiny, tiny thing in it with like a massive box with all these like plastic air bubbles, like those things are going to make more of a difference. Um, not that we can't all make good choices and improve things, but we can only do what we can do. Oh, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it's great that you're even thinking about it. Um, and, and I was going to jump in and say, like, you can only do so much as a small business and as one person, um, well, you know, a team of people, but a small team of people. And you're, you're 100% right. It's big corporations, Amazon, et cetera, that need to be thinking more about this and maybe they are and they just haven't released their solutions yet, but it's going to take somebody who is um, an inventor, an entrepreneur, or just has the time and money to just think about this one little plastic sleeve to like come up with a solution for that. And it can't, it can't be you. But I also Um, think that um, in the public eye and in the public sphere, we are some kind of influencers. And that's not what I set out to do. It's not what I consider myself, but we are some influence. So when we make these choices and these declarations and and make changes, it's going to influence our customers and and hopefully our customers can can help us be a louder voice for um, these bigger companies and these issues. So I think it's, it all matters. It's, it's all worth um, considering and, and talking about for sure. Okay. So I'm going to move into the fire round. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I am ready. Favorite book. I had a really hard time with this. And the best thing I could come up with was the next one. <laughs> um, I read 55 books last year. Um, okay. And I'm certainly not on track to read quite so many this year. But I do read a lot of audiobooks. I love audiobooks. Um, I read a lot of memoirs, a lot of fiction. Um, and I just am always really excited about the next thing that I'm starting. It took me about a minute into that to realize that you weren't talking about a book called The Next One. Oh my gosh. I love that. I should write a book called The Next One. I love that. <laughs> um, okay. Favorite author or writer or source of inspiration? Yeah. I have three authors that everything they write, they write, I will read forever. And that is, um, they're all three fiction authors. Um, Kate Morton, um, Frederick Bachman and Marisa De Los Santos. Those are my three like, holy grail authors. I love them very much. I'm in the library right now. So on my way out, I'm going to check oh, them out. Yeah. yeah. Kate Morton writes these like sweeping fiction things with like multiple eras and a mystery. And um, Frederick Bachman is, um, he writes, like he's written a couple books about like small towns that have hockey teams, which are not things that I'm interested in, but I love the way he writes. And then um, Marisa de, de Los Santos um, has written only a few novels, but they are ones that I own in paperback and reread like every few years. And there's very few books that I go back and reread and I really enjoy hers. Oh, they're all on my my very long and ever growing to be, re- oh, to be read list now. Same. Okay. Favorite podcast. Right now, I have two because I can never narrow it down. Mm-hmm. Um, Family Ghosts, absolutely love. Um, so very much. It is worth listening to for anybody. Please try. And then um, the other one I'm loving right now is called Unti- Untitled Dad Project. Um, these incredible two women worked on this project um, to reconcile um, one woman's 
um, adventure to get to know her dad. Um, and then her dad dies before she's able to make contact. Mm-hmm. So she uses, um, literary devices for each episode to think through like plot and, um, and voice and different things, um, in, in how she's processing the loss of her dad that she never knew. And it is, I cry every episode and I like tweet her about how much I love it every episode. And I think more people should listen. Well, I'm going to now. What was the first one? Family ghosts. <laughs> Family ghosts. Well, and that one, the, like the tagline is every house is haunted. And it just talks about like the secrets that are in families that we don't talk about or the, like the histories of, of things that go on within our lives that are taboo. And a lot of the stuff that I love to think about and talk about and shed light on are the things that they're, are talking about from episode to episode. I'm excited. Okay. Last one. <laughs> Favorite non-work activity to do? I love to go to soccer matches and I'm part of a supporter group and we like wave flags and chant and yell and make huge paintings and do crazy things. And it's so outside of anything that I do in my normal life or anything I did up to this point. I didn't play soccer. I didn't watch sports. Um, but since moving to Seattle, I have become very attached to our local team and um, very much enjoy my soccer people. Well, as someone who played soccer from the age of five through 18, and then a little bit afterwards, I can say that I fully support that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the podcast. This was a lot of fun and I could probably keep talking to you for hours, but uh, out of respect (laughs) for your time, I will let you go. But thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sounds About Right podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you're not already subscribed, go ahead and do that. If you are, I'd love if you could leave us a review. If you're a writer, know any writers, or simply just want to get in touch, email us at soundsaboutrightpod at gmail.com or find us at soundsaboutrightpod on Instagram. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.